Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use our mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, I want to transition to the Dodgers and especially what happened this weekend in Boston, uh, the reunion of Mookie. Um, I don't know if you're working on a piece or not, but I'm very curious to hear your opinion on this. The difference between Mookie going back to Boston and Freddie Freeman going to Atlanta. Now, I don't know if it was the Mookie thing because, you know, it's it's been a long time since he last played in, in Boston and the Freddie one was more recent, but it felt very different to me. Uh, Mookie got a lot of love and he had a very successful weekend over there. Um, and he basically didn't say anything inflammatory. Mookie was just like, talk to the Red Sox owners why they didn't, you know, but prior to that, you're hearing Mookie wanted to be in Boston for his whole career. What were your thoughts on, on Mookie's reunion, uh, this weekend in Boston? Yeah. Well, I think it's a difference between, right. Like in, in Freeman's case, there were like legitimate, um, like baseball reasons, I guess. Right. And if you look at the way the Braves have gone on since and the way Matt Olson's played, right, this was they probably made the smart move, you know. Now, I don't think, you know, and again, we're, we're going to have right people kind of disagree with stuff and that's totally fine, obviously. Like, I can just kind of think that like teams are like civic institutions. Right. And as a result, like, you know, stuff like connections with fans like matter, you know, and I am really kind of repulsed at this idea, you know, that keep, cause keep in mind before I like lit into Freddie for all the crying and stuff. <laughs> I actually, before that, like when, when, he, when the Dodgers first signed him, I went after like Antopolis, right. Yeah. For like fake crying shit. Like get the fuck out of here. No, nobody like, remembers that though, yeah. Dylan. Nobody remembers <laughs> that you went in on him. Right. Because like he wanted to do that. I think. Right. That was, you know, um, and so, like, what I think in Freddie's case, like, he was, like, kind of hurt because, like, you know, again, you can justify, you can make a baseball argument for why that should have been done, right? And, you know, and fans tend to be protective of their teams, right? And so, like, when he kind of, like, lashed out at that, and keep in mind, at that point, he and I were on the same side on this, um, you know, when he kind of lashed out, the fans protected the team, 
right? And that always happens, by the way. As a player, never go against a team. You're always going to lose, almost always going to lose. And that's kind of what happened there, right? And so it kind of created this weird thing. And now he doesn't want those fans to hate him. So he kind of like bent over backwards, I felt, to try to like win them back. The thing with the Mookie thing, clearly the Red Sox fucked up, right? <laughs> they really, really fucked up. I mean, and I would argue that this is an example of why the Angels were right to not trade Otani, right? Even with him getting hurt, by the way, because if unless that trade sets you up to be better, like relatively quickly, it just like deflates your organization. It's a white, right? It's like the Nationals in Soto, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. Hey, like, right now, the they- Nationals are looking pretty good in that deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a pin in the right, you know. Yeah. And I think, like with the Mookie thing, you know, again, like okay, so they got out of paying him the three hundred million whatever contract that they didn't want to pay him, you know. And so, you know, theoretically, they have like a certain amount of flexibility now that they wouldn't have had had they signed him to a long term deal. You can argue blah blah blah, but like, you know, the way it's played out, you know, is that the Red Sox fucked up. You know, and so I think that the circumstances were different because Mookie didn't have to win them, right? Like now, it's if anything, after that trade and what's happened since, like the fans are all pissed off at, at the Red Sox for having made that deal, right? So when they're like applauding Mookie, part of it too, there's kind of an indirect like fuck you to the to the Red Sox, right? <laughs> because, you know, hey, like you traded away like our best guy, whatever, you know? I think again, like just the the Atlanta situation with with Freeman, I just think was just like a lot more complicated because it wasn't that straightforward, you know. And so, yeah, like in this case, clearly, like you know, would would you want you know if you're the Red Sox, do you want Mookie Betts back? Of course you do, you know, because they now they have like nothing, right? I mean, they might have flexibility, but like, what's that good for? What have they done with that, you know? So, I just think that, um, yeah, you know, again, you know, and and who knows, right? Maybe the way we view this, I mean, he's. He's under contract for how many more years? Like ten <laughs> after this, right? So, right? It's like so, nine, I think. Now, I think yeah, it's right? nine. Right. So, like you know, I mean, I'm sure if we talk in seven years, the view on this might be slightly different <laughs> by then. Like, why the Dodgers do this? You know, right? But, like, um, yeah. For now, I think that it was just one of these situations where, like, the, the Red Sox nation recognizes, you know, we were better off with this guy. You know, let's kind of remember, right? When you're applauding a guy like that, you're basically saying, like, hey, we shared good times together, right? You're, it's an acknowledgement right. of your shared history. And so, you know, I think they gave him his flowers. Look, it was a very exciting weekend of baseball. There were three very exciting games, and everybody seemed to have been successful. Justin Turner had a nice weekend. Alex Verdugo was able to give of the FU that he's been wanting to give for who knows how long. I mean, uh, the only thing we didn't see Kenley because uh, he's he's hurt. But have you ever seen or uh, a series where there's been this many connections between two teams? Yeah, it is. It's interesting, right? Just the way uh, you know, and it it's not just connections; it's like vital connections. Yeah, Tony right? Jansen as a Dodgers all-time saves leader. You know, Justin Turner. You know, with the between the beard and kind of the October heroics and right, all the stuff he was doing in the community and the fact that he kind of became like the de facto captain of the team, right? These are right, like major, you know, and even like Verdugo, who right, kind of like in this cast of characters counts as like a relatively minor guy. Yeah. Uh He's like a pretty colorful guy, right? You know? Yeah. 
Um, you know, you talk about a guy like Kike Hernandez, who, you know, whatever you think of him as a player, obviously kind of has his very oversized personality, has connected with fans, you know, um, obviously the way he's viewed here, the way he's viewed Boston, very different. But you're right. I think that there are kind of like a lot of like connections there. You know, it felt a little like American footballish, right? Where, right, yeah. You know, because of the coaching trees usually and, you know, guys import entire staffs into one team and, right, will bring along a few players even with them and stuff. It had that type of feel to it for sure. Or even the managers, right? Cora yeah, and Roberts, right. right? Yeah, I saw yeah, I saw a picture of somebody sent me a picture of Dave Roberts. I think it was either t- this morning or yesterday, right? Where he's posing in front of the, you know, the the green monster. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, right. And we just I mean the right, and that just shows, right? The fact that like I even forgot about Dave Roberts rolling this whole thing, I think just shows like again, the amount of kind of cross pollination that these two organizations have. It, do you think that is that this weekend is an example of just how different baseball is now to back in the day where uh, there was no fraternizing or, or anything like that? I, I know we had a uh, Rob Bradford on the show from Boston who who I, I, I tend to agree with his statement when he says baseball is the least political sport there is. And it's because these guys don't want conflict. They run away from conflict. So when you have team guys that you've played with, it's more about it. Hey, let's, you know, everything is good. I don't care about beating you, win or lose. Yeah, and I think that the, you know, kind of the the old school examples that we have in our heads. I mean, the truth is, is that then, back then, how much a guy got paid was more direct, right? It had a greater effect on how much, you know, uh, uh, the wins and the losses, right? Yeah. And so the thing is, because contracts weren't guaranteed the way they are now, guys didn't have multi-year deals the way they do now. And so like, yeah, like if, you know, you lost a game, that was like food off your table, literally, right? And that was back in an era again when, you know, players, uh, you know, a lot of them had off-season jobs even, right? This, this weren't like, this wasn't the kind of luxury job it is now. I do think now, right, like, you know, when, you kind of look at, you know, guys still kind of throw at each other and stuff every now and then, but right. The kind of like egregious headhunting that used to happen before. I do think that the reason, right. And I think that by the way, that's probably like an, almost like an underutilized strategy in a way, right. Like, you know, Joe Kelly's the only one who uses it. I think nailing somebody with a baseball, I do think is like a real strong deterrent, (laughs) you know, yet like, why doesn't it happen as much? It's because like, well, you know what? Like we're all making money here. Yes, I want to win, but like, I don't have to kind of resort to the dark arts to win, right? Like, let's, let's have a, let's, you know, make sure everybody stays healthy. Let's try to play this thing fair and whoever wins, wins. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we all go home rich, you know, (laughs) I do think that that is probably, you know, and and, and then now like probably like the way the, the way teams are run now, right? Where. Yeah, sure. Like before, you know, guys would get traded before, right? You know, guys that were free agents would go somewhere else. But the way deals are done now where it's like, okay, uh, we're going to punt, right? The next, We're going to suck. We're going to make a conscious decision to put out a garbage product for the next, like, four years. So, hey, Team X, you know, do you want every one of our usable players? You know, and so you kind of end up with these, you know, right, entire, like, line shifts, right? I mean, the first trade, you know, you, you mentioned – Stuff like that. I mean, it kind of started, I think, with that Adrian Gonzalez trade, right? Yeah, or, that's another example. Yeah, or the, or right. the Nick Punto trade, if you want, right? Where like basically <laughs> every, every single guy there, like, it's just like, okay, we're just gonna like 
we're just going to trade our teams for each other, basically. You yeah. know? And so I do think that that part of it, too, where, you you know, teams are more willing to trade in bulk because, you know, again, the the strategy, the long term strategy in terms of like tanking and stuff like that is is very much in play now. Uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you was you and Plashki at the trade line, trade deadline, you, you wrote some critical pieces uh, on Andrew Friedman. And here's the thing. Those, those pieces that you wrote about that you wrote aren't really about the regular season. I think everyone yeah. knew, Hey, these guys have enough to win the division right. in the end. It's about the postseason. And, I, a lot of the people that I talk to, they all say the same thing. It's about the pitching staff. It, yeah. They don't feel confident with the Dodgers pitching staff going into the playoffs. From what you're seeing and, you know, if they do end up seeing, I mean, we're going to see the Bravos next week here in L.A., but if they do end up in the playoffs, I, I mean, do you still think it's the same thing? They did not address what is going to be a big issue for them in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, for sure. And I think, you know, in in fairness to them, I do think that, you know, they needed a couple of things to go their way, right? And maybe these things will happen, right? Like one is they need Julio Urias to pitch the way he did in the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. They need Leighton Kershaw to come back and remain healthy and be more than kind of like what he's been, you know. Um, and if those two things don't happen, it almost didn't matter like who they added at that point. Right now, obviously, if you if you bring in like a horse, you know, they brought in like a Verlander type guy, then you can maybe say like, OK, like maybe they got there. They have something to work with you. Right. Um, but yeah, now the way they're kind of set up is like, you know, and that's the thing is like, right, remember, like just a couple of years ago, they, they used Urias as like a, they put an opener in front of the guy. Yeah. Right. So you think they're going to like, you know, that's the funny thing about this is right. Like, I would think that like they would bullpen game every single game if they could. Now, obviously, Clayton would tell them to go fuck themselves. You know, <laughs> well, not in that language. Because Clayton wouldn't ever say something like that. Just to clarify, I don't want him watching this. <laughs> putting words in his mouth. But you'll let them know that's not, you know. But, yeah, like, you know, um, I think they would try to do, you know. And so, like, you look at their rotation right now, and it's like Julio, Clayton, and then it's going to probably be bullpen game, you know. Now, in the first round, because of the way the days off are, aligned right they basically just you know it, it, it can the the two big guys can go twice and then you have one bullpen game and that's enough you get to the next round all of a sudden you're going to start looking at multiple bullpen games you know and yeah you know i mean again even when they don't need to do it this front office loves to do stuff like this so like just you know i i can just kind of see and again every time man you make a you know to me it's just easy right hand one guy the ball let the guy throw 100 pitches fewer decisions the better because every time you make a pitching change it just takes one guy to screw the whole thing up you know yeah. you use six pitchers there's a good chance one of them's not gonna have a good day you know and again guys end up in the you know i, I hate to say this but guys end up in the bullpen for a reason it's because they don't have enough pitches they don't have the you know right they their their arsenals are limited and that pigeonhole them into being in bullpens and if that thing's not working for them that day they're going to have long days you know and so Again, we saw that last year. To me, it kind of looks like they're going to end up kind of in the same place right now. Um, you know, and again, it's it's a, it's such a weird season, right? Because I think that coming into this year, you know, you were looking at the Dodgers thinking like, you know what? If there's a year 
that they look vulnerable, it's this one, right? If this right. is going to be the beginning of the end of the dynasty, maybe it's here. And I do think that what this season did show is this thing's not going to, you know, as long as Friedman's in charge, they're going to make the playoffs every year, right? Now, to your point, the thing's about October, you know, and can they get over that hump, you know? And so those are two different, you know, you know, if you really start peeling all this stuff back, um, well, why didn't they, why did they come into the season with such low expectations, right? Is it because they were not active in free agency either. So did they, A, misread the market? B, have they decided to stop spending? C, you know, did uh, Otani, right? Are they really saving money to make a run at Otani? Um, or D, like, did Trevor Bauer screw them up? You know, and here we are a few years later after this Bauer thing. I mean, is this still, is this thing still hanging over them in a way, right? I mean, um, you know, and of all those four scenarios there, the only one that's kind of defensible, I think, is the Otani one, right? If they end up with Otani, let's say they get bounced from the first round of the playoffs, but then they sign Otani, I think everybody will be like, yeah, you know what, we'll take that, right? We're going to have the best player in the game for the next however many years. Um, we sacrificed one season, but like, whatever. Um, you know, the other ones, I think, it's a little bit harder to stomach, right? I mean, again, you guys, you know, the, the fans are paying, right? Ticket prices keep going up and up and up and up. And, you know, I mean, boy, it's like really expensive to go out there now, you know? Uh, parking's expensive now, right? And so all these things, it's like, I think it's hard to tell the fan that like, hey, like, yeah, we're going to try to make the playoffs, but I don't know about winning the whole thing. Like, well, then the way you guys are charging, you should be all in every year, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Bauer thing again, right? Everybody thought like that was a bad idea. You know, it's not really a defensible thing. You know, uh, did they misread the market? That is also possible, right? Because there was this like gambling money that was kind of right. That's going to be coming into the game. Uh, you know, we're talking billions of dollars in additional revenue. My guess is that some teams basically kind of jumped the gun on that. And like, hey, we know this money's coming. Let's go and spend, um, you know, right? You look at like the, the Bogarts market. I think it's like, a really good example, right? It's like, you know, I'm sure there's a price point at which the Dodgers are in on a guy like that. You know, nine figures, it's a whole different story, right? And so, you know, uh, now that I'm willing to kind of give them some time on, right? Because we've seen the the RSN market kind of crash with Bally's. And yes. maybe, right, teams are going to have to start actually tightening their belts. My guess is, right, if, if MLB is now covering a lot of the Padres' losses, uh, my guess is then that the Padres are going to be kind of on a budget from here on forward. You know, the league's not going to want their, them to continue spending like this. So, like, you know, maybe, right, if the Dodgers weren't comfortable paying those prices, right, you know, a few years from now, if we look back, it'll be like, hey, you know what? That was actually the season to sit out, right? This wasn't, mm -hmm. might have cost them. Now, the only problem with that argument, I do think, right, and my main point in kind of when I've examined the Dodgers and just kind of written about them and what they should do is that you have Mookie Betts, you have Freddie Freeman, they're on the wrong side of 30, right? And kind of this year, they're only going to be in their primes together at the same time for so long. And like, yeah, what happened this year, right? Both of them are playing like at MVP levels. These are two of the greatest offensive seasons in Dodgers history, and they're happening simultaneously. So why not do everything to take advantage of that, you know? But um, they haven't. So they're leaving it up to chance in October again. Uh, you know, I, I want to go back to the, the, the bullpen uh, comment that you made. So are you saying they don't have confidence in Lance Lynn or Bobby Miller? to be pitching three or game three or game four? Yeah, I think that it's going to be, you know, um, probably with Urias and Kershaw, right? Twice through the order. 
um, and with, uh, you know, the other guys probably just wants to do the order, honestly. You know, I think Miller is the one guy who has the potential to be a twice to the order guy, maybe even a three times to the order guy, right? I mean, his stuff is like, it's just, can he place it where he wants to? I'm not really sure they trust him to do that, you know? Lance Lynn, again, you can trust him to maybe go through once through the order, but, like, you really want him with that stuff, like, you know, going facing an order a second time, a third time. Um, you know, I've always kind of believed players win games. You know, my uh, good friend Eric Winalda, the soccer player, former soccer player, you know, always used to say, what is it? Players win games, coaches lose them, referees ruin them, you know? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I do think, like, players win. And at some point, hey, if that's your team, man, you know, pick a third starter, like, go with the guy, you know, I just think it's going to get really kind of hard if you start asking this guy to throw, you know, two innings here and this guy to go one and a third. And, you know, I think that's kind of like a hard way to deal with things, but yeah, I don't think that they trust those guys to, to be, to go through the order more than once. Oh, um, last one this time. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If, if the Otani thing doesn't work out, does this change things for Urias? Uh, I, I know you had said the key is, is like if Uriah starts pitching better, oof, he has started pitching better since he came back from the, uh, the injury. The only thing that hasn't changed though, is he's still not good on the road. And eventually you're going to need him to win on the road. And if that doesn't change for him, then I, I don't think I, I like their chances, but if Otani decides to zag and the Dodgers don't get Otani, have the Dodgers completely ruined a relationship with Urias where they can go and say, hey, man, we wanted you all along. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I know I could see him coming back. You know, I do think he has to know, right? I do think that this is kind of like the best thing for everybody in a way, right? If, if the financial resources were unlimited, you know, and let's just even say like, right? I mean, because I do think that there is like a difference of opinion, right? Where does this guy is he a number one? Is he a two or a three? Or is he, you know, right? Kind of like, how do you evaluate him? And I do think that even if he's not an ace, again, if the financial limit, right, finances weren't a problem, there's no, you know, whatever, right? Pay him $200 million to be a two or a three. That's not a, that's fine, right? Um, but, you know, they are operating with some semblance of like a budget. And I do think, you know, um, yeah, like, right, they might not in the end give him what he wants. It's, it's going to be a fascinating free agency, too, I think, right? It's going to be so much is going to depend now on really, you know, how he finishes the season out. You know, I think kind of coming into the year, honestly, I would have probably pegged this, you know, contrary, you know, given the fact that, like, Scott Morris is really good at this, too. You know, um, the relatively low amount of innings he's pitched, the fact that I think, you know, kind of like Mexican heavy markets, like, Arizona, Chicago have money, um, you know, and can use like that type of pitcher. I would have pegged them close to 250 million, right? Um, you know, I know even 200 would have seemed like a lot in some ways, but like that's the market now. And I think you kind of add all the other stuff. Like I, I could have seen 250 easy. I'm not sure that deal's necessarily still out there, you know. Mm. And I do think at the end of the day, like look, like he's you know, whatever it is, I think he's for the most part still pretty comfortable here. I think that if he, as long as they can kind of dress it up in a way where he doesn't feel disrespected, right? Because that's obviously, you know, every Latino guy, that's the main thing that we always <laughs> do, right? Like, just don't disrespect us. Um, yeah, I think he could come back. You know, I just think that, I just kind of wonder if there are other teams, again, that where he would be a greater priority, 
right? right. And, you know, in some ways, it's going to be interesting, too, the way the, the market moves, because until Otani goes off the board, a lot of things can't happen. Now, so, you know, if you're another big free agent, you can either try to kind of preempt everything and get something done before, or you can wait to get something done afterwards. Now, again, I've thought like Arizona in some ways is kind of a, a, a match for Urias because, you know, it's again, very Mexican city. Uh, it's a young team that's kind of on the up, right? And they're, they're kind of coming up. And, you know, what better than to bring in a guy who has championship talent, right, experience, who can be, who can anchor, right, or be one of the anchors of your pitching staff, right? A, a young pitching staff that's pretty young and dynamic and exciting. Uh, I think there's like a fit there, right? And they, I don't think they would necessarily be in, be in on like the Otani sweepstakes, right? Or that they wouldn't have a really great chance at it. And I have a Cubs, right, might kind of be on the sidelines a little bit and they might be waiting. The San Francisco Giants, my guess, they probably won't make another big uh, expenditure until they know whether or not they're in on Otani or not. I think, I think those teams will wait. But like, yeah, I could see, you know, free agency opens, boom, Urias signs with the Diamondbacks and like it's over, you know? So... Um, yeah, that, but I do think that if the, if the Dodgers approach it the right way, right. And, you know, none of those other teams move too quickly. I do think that there's a chance that he comes back for sure. There you go, baby face. Are you feel better? It's not going to be the show pots that are going to get what he has. And it's just going to be the D backs. I mean, I'm still not convinced. I mean, I don't understand where the Padres have been getting all this money in the first place. So, I mean, until they like, they were tapping out. I mean, I'm still not convinced that they won't make a move. Well, I mean, he is a billionaire. But anyways, we want to thank Dylan uh, for giving us all this knowledge. I, I feel like I just took a class on Japan, uh, Dylan. And by the way, I love your stories. I'm sorry that you were tortured going to Japanese school <laughs> once a week. I, I, I thought it was hilarious, man. I really think you should turn that into a one-man show and it, put it on, on stage. <laughs> I got so many more stories, man. We got to... One of these days we'll get together for a beer. I'll tell you, I'll tell you all the trauma I sustained early in life. <laughs> so there you have it. Dylan, where can our listeners, our viewers, where can they follow you on the social media? Uh, on uh, pretty much every social media thing, I'm at Dylan O. Hernandez. Um, and you can find my work at latimes.com backslash sports. And like you so generously mentioned, you know, if you guys could help by subscribing <laughs> keep our place from going out of business that'd be really really appreciated because i got i got my, my kids are still young man i can't afford to be uh to be out of work anytime soon look your stuff is good and it's worth reading because you ask the questions that all these fans tweet why doesn't anybody ask them this and it's like well dylan does they're, they're <laughs> look he is the most feared journalist in, in la because he asks the questions that you guys all want to be asked so you need to support him Get the subscription to the LA Times. Anyways, uh, this has been a real joy for me, Dylan. Uh, that's all I got. Thank <laughs> you so much. No, this is always fun. I always have fun uh, being on here. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me back on, and I uh, hope we can do this again. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. You have been su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mi colega, Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.